I'm very confused by how I feel about the whole subject. Part of me is like, yeah, no worries, we'll just go to Eastlands and win. But even if we do, then we have to make sure we don't, you know, draw against Sunderland away on the last day or somehow mess it up at home in advance of that. But uh, it's... ah, I don't know what's going on anymore. Football's horrible. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. I mean, you're supposed to enjoy this this kind of time of year. Although Ferguson did say today that it would take a masochist to enjoy this. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's just let's just get into Everton. Uh, first of all, it would be extremely remiss of us in the gloom of what actually happened to miss out on the fact that United played some of their best attacking football of the entire season in that game against Everton. Oh, some great goals. Yeah, some great goals. Fantastic play. I mean, Welbeck's goal was a, a brilliant piece of individual skill to, to dummy and then curl into the top corner. Nani's dinked finish for the fourth goal in between some great interplay between the four. It was a great attacking play. If you just took United's goals probably say wow what a fantastic performance against a really good opposition but the defending as a team and I'm not going to blame the back four here because it was way more than that as a team was horrendous there was no protection from Carrick and Skulls and I'm afraid Skulls put in his easily his worst performance since he's returned and Carrick was his passive old self that we thought had disappeared and and then uh, right through the back four I mean, David De Gea you can probably uh, forgive because he didn't really make any mistakes for any of the goals but the two fullbacks pushed forward constantly it didn't track back they also neither of them particularly Patrice Evra got close to the man to stop the ball coming in Raphael was caught out of position a couple of times and and the the two cent halves made some horrendous mistakes I mean three goals and and we praised him last week and praised him all season basically how brilliant Johnny Evans has been but three goals he made mistakes on I'm not blaming him alone because it it takes more than one mistake to create a goal normally but but he he did and that was really unfortunate and the uh, just a few days after Ferguson praised him as the best defender in the country yeah, I mean, it, there was the really unfortunate timing for Fergie to massively jinx Johnny Evans ahead of that game. The two goals that came from Everton's right, our left, Ever was nowhere in the picture. Uh, we've had an interesting question from at Paul underscore Haves asking, is it fair to criticise Ever for his recent perceived poor defending? Surely he's only playing so high up the pitch because Sir Alex has told him to. I'm sure I've heard it said that Sir Alex wants him to play the Alves role. And I think there is sort of something in that. Well, it's always how United have played with their fullback and they've trusted to 1v1s in the centre of defence. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, you know, it really, really showed for the two goals where Tony Hibbert played in beautiful crosses in absolutely acres of space. Might as well have been a free kick, you know, no player within 10 yards of it. First out defending is stopping the cross, yeah. right? And, and I mean, it's criminal when that happens. And then, of course, all the other mistakes follow on from there that created the goals. I mean, the fourth goal, I think you have to assign some personal responsibility to Skulls and, and Raphael. I think it was Skulls, but just completely switched off, not tracking... Not, not going with their man, loads of people loose in the box. And it's a really interesting thing that the whole game had a really odd atmosphere. I don't mean in the, the atmosphere from the stands sort of sense, although that was somewhat odd as well. It was just a very flat atmosphere, which it just is at Old Trafford. It's part of the whole situation, the fact that the crowd's completely flat, except at 3-1 up. At 3-1 up, the crowd blast out three anti-Man City songs, and that's it for the whole game, pretty much. A few, you know, enthusiastic attempts by the little hardcore of the Stretford End that are always there but basically nervy understandably nervy for the first you know when we're 1-0 down and when Everton are absolutely bossing the first half and then when we went 3-1 up that was it it was job done we'd won the league basically at that point and the crowd had that attitude the team had that attitude oh yeah definitely I had that attitude you know I, I thought that was it I really I, I was relaxed because Everton had been so you know impressive in the first half and United had been so flat and the one thing that happened that hasn't happened all season well all the second half of the season is the thing we've been 
been saying week in and week out is that teams are not pressing skulls hard enough and uh, David Moyes seems to be the first one to have got what you have to do to stop that midfield two from functioning and you, you got exactly what you'd aim to get exactly and and it, it really did show I mean Everton outmanned United in midfield it took a very long time for Ferguson to try and adjust that and when Rooney ended up playing a little bit deeper could have happened earlier I think and Jones coming on for skulls felt like closing the door after the horse had bolted yeah, right absolutely so it was very much so it was the wrong substitution at the wrong time it could have come a lot earlier than that and you can understand why he did it to put some energy in midfield but it was too late by then yeah it was much too late exactly that's the point look there was some rank bad defending by individuals uh, but most of it was structural and it was the way the team was set up and the way that we didn't react to uh, Everton's very good game plan Everton it took them what 30 seconds to look like they were really up for it they had a shot within two minutes and you thought uh oh this is a day that Everton are uh, they're they're not on a downer from having lost in the FA Cup semi-final and and they were really up for getting a result at United and that that showed in David Moyes who celebrated the goals wildly uh, as if uh, Everton actually won an FA Cup and I guess it's uh, the way they got over the hangover from the the Cup semi-final was to come to United and put in an extremely good performance yeah and and you know as as the manager he's he's kind of right to celebrate that because there's no guarantee that's going to happen and I'm sure he's a big part of the reason why they did bounce back from that horrible defeat to to make a dent in our title charge and and they they did their job brilliantly and they they were just excellent I mean even though they conceded four actually their defending was a lot better than ours was well you can give credit to United's forwards for for the goals scored I mean some of them you could say they didn't close down well but quick enough which is which is very true but but some great one touch play by United around the Everton box which they've been threatening to do a lot a lot this season especially in the early part of the season that kind of tiki taka style play and it really came together in an attacking sense against Everton it's a shame that the defending was just so horrendous and just to take it out of context for a second the fact that Rooney and Welbeck managed to score a York and Cole tribute goal uh, oh yes it's lovely what a lovely thing to happen I'm all in favour of tribute goals obviously like Paul Scholes has to score his own tribute goals because no one else can do it but you know I want somebody to kind of get the ball in our own their our own half and dribble past three defenders and smack it in and then take his shirt off and twirl it around his head you know uh, tribute goals are back I want a chip from the edge of the box after beating two men and then just turn up an imaginary collar tribute goals it's the way for the future well that would be a, be a very nice tribute goal yeah, but that was that was just a gorgeous moment and it, it shows some of the potential that exists ahead of this season in the squad as it is now you know because I'm kind of anxious about the future of Manchester United uh, as I am every time there's a transition I don't know if it's the scars of 2005 or a secret vein of pessimism in my otherwise optimistic character but the, there's something about this side where I feel like it could go either way but when you see goals like that it's like oh actually you know the future is still potentially bright as long as as long as Fergie's at the helm well I mean the one one thing is that, that Ferguson has generally put together a, a back four that can support that attacking play and and that's what I was saying earlier about Ferguson always wanting his central defenders to be able to play 1v1 and trusting them to do that and pushing the fullbacks forward and and over the years we've had some fullbacks are, are better at doing that than others and I guess in Gary Neville's case it came quite late in his career that he was he, he got very good at putting in a ball and uh, but he was always very willing but but he's always wanted to play that system whether he's been playing a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1 as it is now 4-4-1 these kind of variants of and the part of the problem at the moment is we don't we haven't quite set it up in order to do that so the two in midfield uh, have been outstanding in the second half of the season at keeping the ball between them many, many are many times just passing between each other of course but uh, ball retention has been excellent uh, covering in defense hasn't always been as excellent and 
and the back four has chopped and changed yes and the new goalkeeper brought in some nervousness in the early part of the season there's some younger players in there small skulls and smalling and i guess it's evan's breakthrough season really so you can kind of understand where we might ship some more goals but it is factually the most goals we've ever shipped in the premier league isn't it so and that's a real worry and something ferguson is going to have to sort out this summer in the short term we've got three tough games city swansea at home of course keep the ball very well and they're still fighting hard even if the second half of the season has gone off the ball and Sunderland away is going to be a really tough game at the end of the season so something has to be done to tighten up yeah, I'd just like to point out that uh, during that discussion, you made a little Freudian slip and said younger players, and you said rather than Jones and Smalling, you said Skulls and Smalling, which is a gorgeous Freudian slip because of of, of everything that Paul Skulls is a younger player. Sadly, 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 he is. Sadly, I mean, we'd very much like a Skulls of fifteen years ago, wouldn't we? I mean, that that would add something immeasurably to United. I think uh, one ex-player this week said it, it would cost forty million to get Skulls of old back. Actually, I don't think you'd spend forty million guarantees to get a player. No, absolutely. You need you need 400 billion and, you know, the entire scientific community working on some sort of anti-aging or time travel type thing. Yes, and of course, the stars of today, Cristiano Ronaldo and Leon Messi, both missed crucial penalties this week. You wouldn't catch Paul Skulls missing a crucial penalty like that. He wouldn't take a crucial penalty like that, but, but that's another point. <laughs> When when uh, Ronaldo scored his penalty during normal time, I can't believe he didn't celebrate by going up and tapping the crossbar. I, I, just, I just thought that was that was coming, but it's, it's probably a job he didn't, given his typical Ronaldo shootout at crucial stages of the Champions League penalty miss. There, we all remember that one. Yeah, uh, he'll be feeling pretty gutted about that one, I think. Uh, well, we'll come on and have a chat about the, the Champions League a bit later, I guess. And uh, I don't really want to, but yeah, let's. <laughs> we should probably. I mean, it's the big games of the week and all that. Uh, I suppose. But, but anything more on Everton? I mean, I, I thought it was calamitous all around, uh, I have to say, from especially the defending. But but I don't think Ferguson had a good day either. And we hinted at that when we said that he brought Jones on at the wrong time. And, and United didn't adjust their shape quick enough. And I, I thought that caused us all sorts of problems. And, and for a long time, even though Everton were buzzing around us in midfield and we were being outnumbered, it was quite clear that Goals and Carrick couldn't quite cope with it. There were no adjustments made. And I think it should have come an awful lot earlier. Maybe it says something about Ryan Giggs's performances in midfield recently that Ferguson didn't trust him uh, to bring him on a bit earlier maybe and maybe they'd have done that if Giggs had been playing well recently I don't know but uh, but it cost us in the end and it could be a really crucial two points and we talked last week didn't we about if if we didn't get this, these points we could end up depending on the results needing to go to Sunderland and win I mean, that, that's looking like a good scenario now isn't it last day of the season and uh, it could be even worse I mean, the the thing about that performance, 3-1 up at home, 4-2 up at home, and we don't win, and it's four games before the end of the season, and, you know, that is just not the stuff of champions. It's not the... Well, especially coming after having lost yeah. to Wigan recently, it's really not the stuff of champions. And and that doesn't mean that I don't think we're going to win the league because we may well still. I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no prediction either way at the moment. I feel like it, you know, really anything could happen from here. But the the reason I say it's not the stuff of champions is like it does not display the mentality of digging in and winning no matter what the cost. That has been United for a good part of the last twenty years. Yeah, it was criminally cavalier, criminally. And I think you hinted at it earlier, didn't you? The player you said you thought United won the players. So I yeah, I thought there was a lot of conceit in there and we've seen that a few times this season I don't th- I don't just don't think United are good enough to do it and and the manager was caught out with that in the Champions League wasn't he and I think the players have been caught out a few times and and I think they were against Everton in that second half and you know there's been a big influx of 
new players into the squad you know just just having Ashley Young Phil Jones De Gea all coming in uh, you know these these are players that haven't been there and done it to the same level as players in our squad of the past I'm, I'm not I'm absolutely not criticising them I'm just saying it, it's perhaps a, a squad that's more easily swayed mentally than it's been in the past you know there just isn't that strength of character I mean our kind of most talismanic player to a lot of people is, is Rooney and I had a question asking whether you know needing a goal with a few minutes left I I guess referring to the Wigan game would you have taken off Rooney like Sir Alex did and it's like well the reason Sir Alex has to take Rooney off in that situation is because he's a very difficult man to manage because of all the disciplinary stuff all the stuff we don't know anything about his personality is quite volatile and so so Ferguson has to do things with Rooney that he doesn't he wouldn't otherwise have to do with some of his stars of the past well well maybe but he should be the leader right but he's not though. He doesn't have. He 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 doesn't display the maturity. And I, I I don't actually mean this as a criticism of Wayne Rooney because I think it is an inevitable consequence of his life up to this point. But he doesn't display those kind of qualities, and he only ever has displayed them fleetingly. Well, yes. I mean, there's some argument to say that Rooney has matured in that he has got uh, what one yellow card this season. So his his disciplinary Absolutely. problems of the past are, are in, now in the past, and there, there's been no off the field shenanigans this season thankfully no hookers no no drinking no there was though there was there was you know there was the new year's stuff you know he was dropped from a crucial game when we were absolutely injury ravaged a game we ended up losing i think if i haven't got my figures wrong because of disciplinary stuff that's very true although uh, of course uh, he strongly denied it through his people saying he was worse for wear although him and johnny evans were were both dropped yes so yes uh, and that could be some crucial points in the end so yeah that's true uh, on the wider point though uh, about the lack of leadership and i, I I agree with that and there are different types of leaders and in, in Britain we tend to think about leaders as the John Terry type you know or the Roy Keane type the lion hearted blood on the face warriors they'll do anything to, to win and it doesn't have to be that there are other types of leaders there are people who lead by example and, and those of experience and we've got plenty of players of experience but they are all the quieter type and Ferguson hasn't entrusted the captaincy to Rio Ferdinand probably for you know reasons known to him rather than us but I think you can probably guess why he's not necessarily seen as the leader. Uh, Ryan Giggs isn't the leader at the moment, insofar he's not the captain, he's also not in the team very often. Paul Scholes, who everybody looks to, is not the kind of vocal type. And so, in a way, there seems like there's lack of leadership at United, and, and perhaps that was a problem when United played Everton and capitulated. Would United have capitulated in such a fashion if Roy Keane was in there? Not just because of his quality uh, and what he had done to, to knock United into shape, but the fact that he'd have got everybody focused in the right way if we had Vidic on the pitch who is our captain and uh, he's the type that leads by example would it have been different too questions I don't know the answer to but I think that you're right they are pertinent to this yeah, and it's, you know, first of all, just one one small addendum to that. I think John Terry is not actually that type of leader. He just thinks of himself as that type of leader, but he, he does not actually display the necessary qualities to carry it out, sadly, for him and his team and people that like him. Roy Keane, of course, the, the absolute embodiment of that. But and, and, and yeah, I'm not saying it has to be a kind of a, a shouter, a, a general type, but, you know, there, there's a lack, there was just, there was 
just a, a, a team-wide lack of composure that you don't, it's, it's such a cliche, you don't expect from a Sir Alex Ferguson side, but I've kind of started to expect from Sir Alex Ferguson sides in the last few seasons, and I don't think that's Sir Alex's fault, I think that's the nature of modern footballers, which is at fault there. And, you know, it'd be really interesting to see, because City fell completely to pieces at the first sign of them getting their noses properly in front, and Mancini gone for mind games 101, the most basic possible thing of easing the pressure by saying, no, we're not even in it, we haven't even got a chance. And it's like, he said it so often, I can't believe it's working, because it's ridiculously stupid, but somehow the message has got to his players that they're playing without any pressure, and it's got to our players, we are playing like with pressure. And I'm sure that has little or nothing to do with Mancini's words, but still, it's just interesting to know. Well, after all that negativity, let's have something a bit more positive. You spoke this week to Sean from Beautifully Red, a great website where he puts up gifts of the best moments from each game. A very special treat for me now as we get to have a conversation with Sean Birch, who is the creator of my very favourite website on the whole of the internet, United Rant excluded, obviously, Ed. Beautifully read. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good, thank you, and uh, bless you for the kind words. What was the inspiration behind Beautifully Red? First of all, give us a bit of an overview and, and tell us how it came about. It came about after a, a rant on Twitter one week when I felt that too many people sort of overlook United for results. Obviously, three points is vital and, and, the, and the aim of the game, but it felt like unless we were winning easily and getting three points, then the game didn't matter and pair performances didn't matter. So I thought I'd try and highlight those moments that make us like football, you know? It's fantastic. I mean, I love the sheer positivity. Your crowning achievement on that front has to be the Wigan game. <laughs> yeah, that was hard work. How long did it take you to find five? But you managed to do it. If you, if people only watched the, the clips on your site for the Wigan game, they would think we'd played more wonderfully. Well, I actually missed the game. I was sort of on and off watching it. I was out. So I knew that we played poorly and I knew that we had lost. And then I had to download the game and rewatch all 90 minutes of it and know that I was desperately looking for five. So that helped knowing that I had to be really look on the lookout for five. Yeah, we found five eventually. The ever uh, little pass was my favourite. That was a, a clear winner for the day. Who, who's who been the standout players so far then on, on Beautifully Red? There's only one, really. It's got to be Paul Scholes. <laughs> Easy choice. The reason that I made the blog, really, he is the most beautiful player, really, that we've ever seen in my, de- in my generation. Barzadan. Oh, Barzadan? So you've got Scholes at number two. I always feel like I'm cheating on him if I say it, but yeah, Zinedine Zidane was pretty special, wasn't he? He had that little extra, I think, that Scholes did, but then Scholes didn't really get the platform to perform internationally, unlike Zidane, who was the man in our French team, like Scholes should have been the man in the England team. So after after you decided to start the site up and running, what are your criteria for entry into Beautifully Red? I'd like to find things that maybe weren't spotted or highlighted on match of the day. Sometimes that's a bit difficult when there's things that are either so good that you have to include them or were spotted on Twitter and everyone's raved about them and you find that people have already got gifts up. But any, any, any moment that makes you go, oh, is always a good starting point. Uh, it's, it's fantastic and I you know I'm really grateful that you've done it and, and I think as United fans we do somewhat take for granted that our team is absolutely fantastic they, they really do they do there's there's times when we'll win but there's still not enough you know we, we'll win 1-0 and, and the first thing you hear on Twitter is how bad we were or how someone played badly rather than looking at who played well and the fact that we got three points we get focused on the negativity which is sort of a bit greedy when you look at the other teams in the league There was a period of time when your whole website was basically beautiful to hear. (laughs) That seems to have calmed down a little bit, but you seem to be a big fan of the young Spaniard. 
He's a, he's a brilliant goalkeeper. Um, when, when we signed him, everyone that I spoke to, everyone on the internet was saying, you know, to expect mistakes. He's a young keeper coming to a new country. He's going to make mistakes. We have to put up with them. And then as soon as he started making mistakes, people got on his back, which was unbelievable. But I think it helped him in a way. And he recently said in an interview that that, that save at Chelsea turned his season around. And I think I commented on that at the time, that as soon as he got a bit of confidence, clean sheets started coming. He was making these saves and they were keeping us in games. That he's, he's grown and grown and grown from that. And I feel expecting to get even better and better and he'll be here for many a year brilliant so other than Paul Scholes who is your player of the season so far player of the season it's, it's between Carrick and I guess Johnny Evans for this second half of the season but but overall you've you've got to go with Michael Carrick missed the start of the season you know out of form injured whatnot but as soon as he came back in United started rolling out the three points every week he's a special player really doesn't get the credit he deserves you're either in team Carrick or not in team Carrick but for me he's our most important player Brilliant. And I, I think people outside of Team Carrot getting smaller and smaller in number. In part, thanks to you highlighting unsung heroes and unsung moments on the fantastic Beautifully Red. So that's beautifullyred.co.uk, right? Yes, the one. Fantastic. And and seriously, if you're a United fan and that's not in your bookmarks or you're not following at Beautifully Red on Twitter, if you want to follow Sean, that's at Xbirchy. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Thank and you very much. You're welcome. And seriously, folks, check out the website. It is magnificent. And just to reiterate, uh, now in actual live Rantcast recording time, uh, thank you very much indeed to Sean for speaking to me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure, and, and I, I love I love that website. I think it's phenomenal, and Sean's an excellent chap, so uh, thank you very much for being on the Rantcast. So, Ed, talking of excellent people that listen to the Rantcast, we've got some questions from listeners. Would you want Pep Guardiola as manager? Who wouldn't? Yeah, I mean, I think they play a great style of football. They've been undone in the, the past week, obviously, in La Liga and the Champions League, but uh, he's brought phenomenal success with a, an attacking brand of football and a commitment and a philosophy that it's hard to, to disagree with. Uh, yes, um, why he would leave Barcelona, I don't know. I know uh, uh, he only works on a one-year rolling contract. It doesn't appear to like the pressure that goes along with being a manager in La Liga. I know he, he's been talking about this for years on end, but it's apparently coming out very strongly again this afternoon that he's planning to leave in the summer. But I think that's that will be to have a break, not to take over another incredibly stressful job because it does look like it's wearing on him. Interesting that the idea that Barcelona have been found out. At Man United 19x asks the question that I was thinking about whilst watching the game. Does seeing Chelsea go through, and I, I guess he's saying in the way that they did, make you regret seeing us play 4-4-2 in, Barca's, in the final against Barca last year? And I have to say... I re- it really doesn't. Maybe that was the wrong thing to do. We were very keen advocates before the game that he should try and play to United's strengths, not try and negate Barcelona's strengths. I think, A, the side that beat us had David Villa in it, which would have made a huge difference to trying to park the bus against them. A- and B, I'm not totally convinced that we have the right personnel to do that job. Yeah, that's a conclusion we came to when previewing last year's Champions League final, wasn't it? I, I mean, philosophically, I-, I-, I have to say I didn't really enjoy what Chelsea did at all I mean uh, it might have been a tactical masterclass that's to quote Jupp Heinks the Bayern Munich manager because they got through and they negated Barcelona in fact it's hilarious looking at Barcelona's passing map which is a sea of green up to the edge of the box and then a sea of red uh, and, and they, they I mean <laughs> after especially after the sending off they encamped nine players in front of the penalty area they went very very narrow because although Barcelona do play with two wide men they almost never put in a cross 
uh, it's a ploy to stretch the game and then they come back through the centre again and, and Chelsea had worked that out and, and in the end Barcelona looked clueless as a result and they appeared to have uh, no options I found it really funny the amount of balls that went out to Dani Alves who then cut it back to the edge of the box and they didn't it's not so much a lack of a plan B they didn't even try anything else I mean throw a ball in the box I suppose there was no one there to actually head it was there but it, it was interesting how, how they did run out of ideas at the same time I just didn't see how you could label that Chelsea side heroes in in what sense and um, what backs against the wall the, the little man fighting against the, the the big brute you know David and Goliath well no this is the you know quote unquote the second richest club in the world backed by a billionaire uh, who'd be nowhere near the Champions League final if it wasn't for that billionaire's money uh, they were down uh, to 10 men because they're idiots of a captain need the back of a opposition player completely off the ball unprovoked and for no reason and then lied about it so and and then they played the most destructive anti-football possible yes they won and so if winning at all costs is all that matters then congratulations if football's about something more than that then then that was pretty distasteful so and I'm no Barcelona supporter I think it's great in a way that they're not in the final because it's good to mix it up and it shows you how tough this competition is but I, I didn't find anything about the way Chelsea played very satisfactory I'm not totally on the same page. One thing that I keep seeing is, oh, Barcelona have been found out. This is the way you play against the men, it turns out. I kind of feel like everyone's had uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind thing happen to the semi-final against Inter two seasons ago which was exactly the same that second leg where it was literally 10 men behind the ball and then I mean Inter didn't even try and counter-attack nor did Chelsea really except when they kind of Fernando Torres missed a tackle and found himself halfway up the pitch with the ball being kicked in front of him my housemate came out with a brilliant line Uh, once Torres had gone round the keeper and he kind of tapped it in from about where the penalty spot was he went if I was in might have taken a couple of steps closer to the goal because he gave himself a lot of time to a lot of space to mess that one up I mean I, I think once John Terry had revealed himself once again to be the colossally lacking in judgment player that he is Chelsea didn't really have any choice but to, to sit 10 men behind the ball by the, at that point very tactful I was thinking of a word with four letters begins with a C does it really Ed I'm, I'm surprised to hear that I was thinking it might have begun with all sorts of letters it's chap isn't it it's chap so I don't think Chelsea had much choice and they executed it extremely well and there was something I I had an experience of watching something strangely romantic although that might just have been Gary Neville (laughs) Gary Neville was amazing I mean everyone is obviously rightly drawing attention to the strange noise that he made for Fernando Torres's goal but the fact that he was utterly convinced that it was written in the stars he just had he just had one on him Gary Neville did Marcus Speller from the Football Ramble tweeted at the end of the game when Gary Neville says it's written in the stars it is written written in the stars and it was kind of like that it was it was just a very strange game and he said there's nothing to do with football that's what Gary Neville said I think if he says it he kind of knows what he's talking about yes but that's to presuppose that there is something directing that it's not I mean for all Chelsea's tactics and uh, over the two legs 180 minutes of barely moving out of their own half you would never be able to do that and say for certain that Barcelona would miss as many uh, chances as they did a lot And, and and they hit the bar on the post like four times over the two legs as well and missed the penalty Gary Neville Gary Neville was exactly exactly you are you are proving Gary Neville's exact point about the nature of predestination right there yeah I, I don't think so so yeah let, let's talk about the goalgasm because this is what everyone's <laughs> been talking about a quite remarkable thing happened 
I'm, surpri- I'm surprised that there hasn't been remakes with a jungle beat, to be honest. I thought someone would have done it by now because it's, it sounds perfect to the, for that for me. It's coming, I reckon. I mean... Uh, well, yes, it was, yes. Uh, yeah, lovely. Lo- Gary had a semi-final moment. He there. is the best commentate co-com. He's the best right-back ever. That's probably not true. He's the best Man United right-back of my lifetime. Yeah, Jarzinho might have a word to say about that. And a few others, Cafu and... He's he was you know the best Man United captain that wasn't Roy Keane that we had at the club. He's the best pundit there's ever been on television anywhere in the world, as far as I'm concerned. By an absolute mile, he's great. He's he makes the Sky commentary and and he's got loads of insight. He's excitable. He talks like a fan, talks like a player. He delivers knowledge rather than just filling up airtime, and that's pretty much what uh, none of the other commentators do. Uh, compare compare Sky's commentary and the Champions League to Channel 5's commentary on the Europa League. It's like Champions League versus Europa League. It's uh, that big a gap. So, yeah. I mean, he had a great game. Very strange sound that came out of his mouth and uh, when Fernando Torres scored. But uh, there you go. Uh, that, one, that one will be replayed several times. It was a very strange moment, so it's quite fitting that there was a very strange sound to go along with it. All right, Ed. Do you want to talk about the Player of the Year awards? They're, they're silly because they're voted for in February. So if everyone could just accept that they're the Player of August to February awards, then I think they went pretty much spot on, giving it to Carl Walker instead of Sergio Aguero is weird but it sort of makes sense because I mean it doesn't make actually make sense but it sort of makes sense if you want to give it to a young up-and-comer rather than a well-established world star 39 million pounds worth of talent shouldn't be playing winning the young player of the year award he's also 24 or something I actually I think they really should change this around to give them some relevancy because I think people are starting to say well they do quite a lot say that this is a pointless award it should be voted for right at the end of the season Uh, you can't tell me that clubs can't organize some kind of online voting system or i mean they vote in blocks anyway for god's sake i mean it's it's well known that's how that one works so they don't need months to try and compile it all we're talking about a few hundred votes not millions Uh, you can run a general election overnight you can certainly run a poll of a few hundred footballers overnight uh, so it should be done right at the end of the season young players should be young players so under 21s i would say and then we'll get something that's more relevant as it is it probably went to the right person i mean robin van persie's been outstanding for arsenal until about the last month no question that player of August to February in the Premier League was without any shadow of a doubt Robin Van Persie. Not that I want to blow my trumpet here but I might as well I did pick it in August. I, I had a feeling that Van Persie because he was fit in the start of the year would have a good one and, and he did. Well done. Excellent predictions and just to bring you back down to earth I'm just going to say the word Newcastle. Yeah. Just just leave it there. <laughs> yeah for, for those who don't know what we're talking about I, uh, every year I put up a page with my predictions for the season. You know, put myself out there and all that and I get my most of them wrong, as I think most people do. But they're up there. If you search for Rant's Premier Predictions, they're up there for the last three years, so you can go and have a good laugh. Yeah, especially the Newcastle one. Although I was with you, I predicted Newcastle would indeed get relegated this season. And instead, they are going to get in the Champions League. Mm. Are they mathematically safe? <laughs> Could they still go down? <laughs> There could be a points deduction coming up. There could be. Actually, Mike Ashley at the helm, there, there really could be. At Sardine Trawler, this is, I'm, I'm just delaying the inevitable because I don't want to talk about Manchester City. At Sardine Trawler asks, why does Donald Duck wrap a towel around his waist when he comes out of the shower yet never wears any trousers? These are the important questions of our age. I, I'm, I've never never been able to come up with a satisfactory answer to that one, except it sort of looks good, doesn't it? He wraps up. My, he just wants to dry himself. That's all it is. It's not preserving his modesty. It's, it's sheer practicality. He's a duck. And also a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I think that 
that's pure outrage was directed in the wrong direction there it was the the key factor is that he's a cartoon that's why it's ridiculous not that he's a duck. so come on let's enough with all this tomfoolery manchester city at eastlands on monday all right, I'm going to start with a few Twitter questions that have come in on that subject. At Happy Hero asks, do you think Fergie will play a more defensive game on Monday instead of uh, the usual yes. gung-ho United way? And then also, also, would you trust, this is from at Ak Kalik, would you trust Raphael or would you rather have Smalling and Jones? And then at Just Red United, a new listener, who's very nice about the first episode I listened to last week, so thank you for that, asks, do you fancy Clev, Skulls and Carrick starting together with Rooney up front? So I'm asking all, all of the questions about the potential team selection. So, so I think it will be a little bit more defensive and probably sensibly so I, I can't imagine United will play a really open game I mean it's it's up to Manchester City to try and take the onus on this game they've got to win after all I know Ferguson said stuff about United will go there trying to win and that kind of thing he, he'll always say that uh, I think the truth is that we will play three in midfield and, and one up front and the third midfielder will either be Rooney dropping deep very deep with Welbeck uh, who's in such great form was in such great form for the last game didn't score very many for the 15 before that no, he scored in the game immediately before the Everton game there as well he, he did so so there's that's the one option the other option is to bring another into midfield and play Rooney up top on his own I don't know which way Ferguson will go he has tended to play well back in these big games before and so I, I suspect if I was a gambling man that's probably what he'll do and Rooney will augment midfield not necessarily going to be that way I don't think cleverly will play he's had no football uh, so if he brings another into midfield it'll either be Jones to sit and hold and give some energy or it'll be gigs for the experience uh, and uh, right back yes I'm sure Chris Smalling will play. It's not. It's not a reflection on Raphael, who's actually had a very good run in, I think. Uh, but I think it is a reflection on what United needs to do in wide areas, and City do exploit wide areas very well. And uh, United needs someone who is going to be very defensively minded. I think at least for an hour. Uh, it might. The game might change after that, but for an hour, I think United will will try and keep it extremely tight. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. A, a draw is obviously a much better result for United than it is for City. A draw's a great result. A, a, win, a win ends the title right here. Uh, yeah, almost. United are going to get a point out of Sunderland or, or Swansea. So a, a win ends the title race, I'm sure. And so, yeah, if Ferguson wants to gamble, but he'll be gambling with the title because imagine City win, which they could do even without United gambling. So even if United do try and keep it really tight, City could still beat us. Of course they could. But the effect on morale and momentum would be pretty devastating, I think. It would take an awful lot for United to come back from that to comfortably beat Sunderland and Swansea which we would need to do because of the goal difference basically couldn't win without City dropping points I would have thought because of the, the disparity in goal difference at this point I mean City have got to go to Newcastle which is going to be tricky it is Newcastle play Chelsea like just under three days before so yeah and and if 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 City have just beaten us then don't think going to Newcastle is going to feel anything like the uphill battle we might hope it yeah, would right and you know City are better than Newcastle however good Newcastle have been but listen as I said earlier I, I am I am not in the business of making predictions for the rest of the season I'm not even going to predict a score no you have to That's it's rant tradition you have to do it you have to do it all right. Okay. Um, you have to do it. Well, we'll come on to predictions at the end. I mean, what, what about? I mean, what about United's mentality going into this game? Because I mean, we, do, we can talk about the team selection and stuff, and I, I, I suspect it will be fairly conservative. But but the mentality after having blown, it almost felt like a loss against Everton, didn't it? it was blew a win, and uh, they can't be going there feeling full of confidence. I just one very quick point about team selection. Sorry to drag it back. I think it would be a huge mistake to play Phil Jones in midfield. I, I think there's there's been nothing to suggest he could handle a central midfield role in this game. I agree, but it doesn't mean it isn't going to happen. 
No, absolutely. I mean, but that's just just my view on it. And of course, like if Fergie does it, then he knows more than I know. So, so he thinks, you know, he he thinks there's a never, reason. Never, never. We fans know everything, especially the ones on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we've got a podcast, so we must know stuff. I I don't know anything about mentality. This is where this is where the flip side of what I was all the stuff I was saying earlier about mentality comes in. Because actually, this team does have does exhibit some characteristics of mental strength, and one of those has been coming back from disappointment they've, they've, they've done very well actually at the, the times they've done very badly this season is when they've not been under pressure but, but the times when they've had a very dismal performance that's that's actually when they've then come back and been a bit better uh, I guess you could say the distance between the Everton and the Wigan game was not long enough to qualify as a proper bounce back from the Wigan game so you know it's, it's a complex picture this team's mentality but you know the, the terrible disappointment of the European campaign was responded to incredibly well in the league and more than anything else the abject humiliation of getting beat 6-1 by City at Old Trafford and just being completely had the floor wiped with them they dug really really dug in well and just ground out result after result after result so they're not going to be I don't think their confidence is going to be shattered by any means they're going to have some points to prove and I think I think that maybe suits them psychologically well yes I mean Ferguson has talked about making a response Uh, he's done it so often this season uh, yeah but he's had to and it's come it's a reflection of, of the losses yes of course you know so but this is do or die now of course there has to be a response there and if there isn't I think I think the title's probably gone I mean of course mathematically it's not and it's ridiculous to say that but uh, but I think a loss to City will be pretty cataclysmic in terms of confidence for United and, and the opposite for City so I think we can't even think about it I mean not that I would advocate it quite clearly because of what I've just said but, but parking the bus big time wouldn't be such a bad thing for United to do <laughs> Because a draw draws a very good result for United. Look, we couldn't afford another bad result. Basically, we, we'd have to still a draw. We still have to go and win twice. But at least it yeah. gives us the opportunity, and it's still in our hands as opposed to City's. Uh, and and that will put pressure on them. And they have suffered un, under pressure this season. I don't think United will play eight in front of the the goalkeeper quite like Chelsea did. But but you never know. At times it might be needed, and and that's where you talked about character. And that, you just hope they show a bit more of, the, of that than they they have done. Uh, at some points this season in a way and, and god this is going to sound like a bit of a cliche again in a way it's a shame there aren't more like kind of local players or players brought up to the youth system that will be playing for united because you kind of think they might they might be a little bit extra you sound like that journalist on football manager the one who says is this because you haven't got any did you lose do you think you lost because you haven't got any local players <laughs> No, I think actually in some ways it helps the team to have a more dispassionate outlook. That's 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 a little football manager inside Joe. I, I, I had a chat to Brian Greenhoff this week, the uh, old Manchester United midfielder, stroke defender. He, he uh, started as a midfielder and played the back end of his career with Martin Buchan at the heart of United's defence. And he said something very similar, actually. I mean, you know, and he's approaching his 60s now and he, he played for United through the 70s. So, you know, he's old school, of course. It means something to us fans. This is not just any other game. And so why should it be any other game? game for the players and they're, they're, I hope they understand the responsibility that's on their shoulders as a result and they didn't understand their responsibility last week in the second half against Everton I guess that's my point and uh, I hope something has dropped uh, in the intervening few days and they work out that there needs to be a greater level of concentration a greater level of commitment and that's not doesn't mean running around making tackles but commitment focus uh, on the task at hand and, and then we'll get the result we want 
Well, what was lacking against Everton was professionalism, not passion for the for the shirt and the badge and all that stuff. I, th- I think our squad does extremely well at buying into the United way. I mean, for a start, the, there's likely to be at least Skulls and Welbeck playing, who are, you know, local lads. Skulls is the greatest local lad footballer of all time at any club anywhere. You know, Giggs will be on the bench, probably coming on all his career at United. And But, but you know, you've got Patrice Evra, who's French, but could not have immersed himself more in the United culture and, and as an absolute spokesperson for United at Rio for all his kind of Cockney ex-leads status always talks about how the thing he likes more than anything else is kind of winning at Anfield and Main Road Eastlands so you know th- th- there's a, there are a lot of players who get it I think in the United side so I don't think there's going to be any lack of passion in the in the team or any lack of commitment to the cause and, and this one is not just any other game anyway because it's a title decider effectively yeah it, well you know it really doesn't get any bigger it doesn't get any bigger than this in terms of United versus City since 68 when when both sides were going for the title uh, there's, a, there's a few parallels here I mean they didn't have a title decided right near the end of the season the, the the final time they played each other was 10 games before the end so not not quite the same City came to our draft in a 1-3-1 but United did play Sunderland on the last day of the season and lost yeah, but uh, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna chuck 1968 omens around, you have to point out that our European performance was distinctly different this season than it was that season. That's, uh, that's very true. You certainly won't be falling back on that, will we? No. All right. So you're a football fan, right? We're, we're football fans. We're United fans. The whole point of being a football fan is to give yourself an experience that you wouldn't have otherwise. There's no rational argument to suggest that the result of this football game on Monday night makes any difference to anyone's life, and yet it's going to actually make an enormous Enormous difference to millions and millions of people's lives. Why is it? I don't even want to watch it. <laughs> you know, I just want it to have already happened. You're like Rio with his penalties, aren't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. He's going to be I... pretty anxious. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm not sure unless United. I mean, much like the really big games, Champions League final and, and all of that, it's not going to be pleasant unless United win, basically, or get the result we want. And and if United do win, it's going to be fantastic for everyone except for those in blue. Yeah, and we clearly don't care about them, even though they're fellow human beings with just as much right to have positive experiences as we have. You know, that's it's, it's a weird world we live in. I, I understood all of that, except the bit about human beings. But yeah, no, we'll, we'll forget that. <laughs> I'd just like to say a massive thank you to whoever is Red Hot Dutch 78 on iTunes who wrote an extremely nice review. Interesting, Paul. What, what kind of things have you been up to? No, it was nothing nothing like that. They just wrote, he just wrote a really super, super nice review of uh, our show on iTunes. So thank you very much for that. I wanted to make sure to shout him out on the old podcast. We had an exciting week. Uh, the podcast was on the front page of iTunes for a bit. Give us a shout on Twitter at UTD Rantcast for me and at United Rant for Ed if you stumble across the podcast through iTunes or us being in the in the top 10 it's all very exciting certainly was uh, you, you are listening to the most popular Manchester United professional sports category podcast in the UK <laughs> last week last week <laughs> yeah hooray so, so feel free to bask yourself in the glory of that <laughs> We've hit not so much the big time as the... It's not even really any kind of time, let alone big time. But thank you very much for listening. It is much appreciated. Um, You can write us a review on iTunes or if you really love the show, you can... Well, not if you really love the show. uh, Just if you feel so inclined, you can go to unitedrant.co.uk slash donate and chuck a couple of shekels our way. Yeah, okay, so it's predictions time and I think because it's such a big game, we should should go a bit further than we would normally go and I think we should both predict a starting 11 because I think that's just as difficult as the 
score. All right. Well, here's my predicted stroke hoped for sighting level. I'm not quite sure. Is it going to be a bit blend of both, maybe? So, so De Gea in goal. Smalling, Ferdinand, Evans, Evra, Valencia, Scholes, Carrick, Nani, Rooney in the hole, Welbeck up top. <laughs> right, so exactly the same team that just played against Everton, except with Smalling in, in, instead of Raphael. Basically that. Don't know. I don't know how I can vary that. It just shows how incredibly short we are in central midfield. By the way, once well, we can always bring Jones and Park into central midfield, or maybe throw Raphael in there as well. <laughs> yeah, or, or Giggsy, you just know, to mix it up. Why not? Yeah, you know, a season ago you'd have said like this. This had Park written all over it. This game, but just isn't the case anymore. It's a, it's a day when we'll really, really miss Darren Fletcher because because uh, Darren Fletcher at his peak would have been absolutely perfect for this occasion. Yeah, totally. It's a day. It's a day when I will once again lament the fact that Fergie sold Phil Neville when he did. Uh, the amount of games Phil Neville would have got for United since he left. You know, it, seeing him and, and seeing the nice little rounds of applause he got when uh, he came up for the throw-in and the slightly more tongue-in-cheek criticism that he received from the crowd a couple of times, which I won't quote in order for us to maintain our iTunes clean tag. But you know, he would have just played a lot of games between then and now. Yes, he probably would have. Uh, I mean, he had some. That's a very good performances for United. In that in that sort of holding midfield role didn't he where he, where he uh, put the reducers in helped United he really yeah, does do that helped United overcome uh, some some difficult and off sometimes more talented opponents so yeah we could do with that type of player we haven't got that type of player no and Phil Jones just I mean a lot of people think he is and and I, I also think he could be I, I think even if centre back is his position as you, you're so sure about he could still come out and play central midfield in certain games to perform a certain function but he's not there yet and I think I think it would be a huge risk to expose him to David Silva mm. so come on what's your predicted lineup? I, I, I can't vary too much from yours. I can't I can't find a place to make a significant change. So I'm afraid I'm gonna to have to be really dull and go with the same lineup. I think Rooney will play very deep if that is the lineup. Welbeck leads the line very well on his own, uh, so that that wouldn't be any kind of problem. And that's a team that could be really effective on the counter attack. But I think that's a team that is going to be exposed in the centre of the park, you know, because they've got some fine, fine midfielders at Manchester City and we're going to absolutely need a totally top-notch... Individual performances are going to have to be so solid for us to get past City. Yes, we have to have nine players on top form and let's not pretend City uh, Barcelona at their peak and it was the Champions League final last year and all that, but we still need nine players on top form. We need some real performances, some heroic performances. We need a bit of luck. We need players to take their chances because there might not be that many and, and that's, I guess that's why I, I would have gone I, I would go with Nani as opposed to Young because he is a player although he can be infuriating uh, it does create opportunities and he ha- he has an assist or a goal about him and uh, it could be just one one goal is the one that's going to make the difference there it could be a title winning goal it's really difficult though because one thing you can say about Ashley Young is he's got a goal or an assist in him. You know, he's, he also has that. I mean, I, I would he go could fall over Mika Richards' leg in the final minute and win us a penalty. Oh yeah, there wouldn't oh, be uh, too many Reds complaining then, would there? A, a really good question from at Sporty Muslimer asking. I like this one because I think I know what your answer is going to be. Five minutes to go. You need a goal. Michael Owen's on the bench. Do you put him on? Depends if you take off, really, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I mean, you have to have possession, and because uh, Owen doesn't run in behind players anymore, he doesn't do anything in the channels either. He doesn't hold the ball up, uh, and so you have to be have possession, creating pressure, and creating chances, and then maybe. 
I, I don't even th- I don't I don't think I don't know there's any I don't think there's anything in the last three years of Owen at the club that tells me that he would uh, I mean people are recalling that that goal against City but that's that's one moment in time one moment and and Owen's time is long long gone I'm afraid uh, I know I know a, a good friend of ours Doran thinks otherwise I, I'm, I'm a bit worried for Doran's mental health I've got to got to be honest <laughs> I, I think I think he's cracking under the pressure and you certainly don't bring Owen on to get a goal if you've got the option of, like, Chicharito or whatever. You know what? I wonder whether Berbatov's got a role to play in this game. I don't know what to think anymore. It's all too much, Ed. I can't make a prediction. I keep running through all the different scenarios in my head of what I think is actually going to happen. And, like, the, the honest answer is I think we're going to lose. That's that's what I think if, I, if I'm if i just rational about it. I, I hope that's not the case. I would dearly love that not to be the case. But the way this season has has gone and the way we capitulated against Everton the performance against Wigan I just think it's pointing in the wrong direction and I hope it is not but that's that's what I actually think I can't quite bring myself to predict that because that that has this sense that somehow that's what you want to happen but you know that's what I think well come on is is that your actual prediction I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll make it easier for you I'm going to predict United is going to get a 1-1 draw I think somehow somewhere we are going to get a goal and and we'll uh, last week's shock will have kicked them into action somehow and they'll remember how to defend again so maybe that's heart overhead I'm going to predict the Man United are going to win 1-0 last minute Dimitar Berbatov the whole away end erupts with the Berbatov City song and we walk off into the sunset grinning and happy and Man City have to go back in their box for another season well on that very very positive note we'll bid you farewell enjoy the game wherever you're watching it I will be with a whole bunch of very drunk United fans in a bar wherever you're if you're at the game in a bar at home or whatever enjoy it and we'll see you next week See you next week. I'm scared, Ed.